Hi, my name is Cody. I'm one of the owners of Ursa and Vixen Seed Co. And I'm Ariel, the other owner. And this is the Grass Sucks Grow Food Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the myths and legends that come with gardening. Legends? Legends. More, more so just Specifically common, the myths. Common gardening myths. So... The common gardening myths, things that are actually not going to help you in the garden, things that are not going to help you grow better, things that are not going to have, you're going to see better results by doing, and honestly, they're, they're, they're just a waste of time. Well, and like, there's a lot of things that are like old wives' tales or, you know, in the farmer's almanac that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years even that, you know, farmers have passed down and stuff. And so, but... A lot of it is, you know, not necessarily based in science or fact and um, kind of just anecdotal evidence or, um, I don't know, just other, you know, people's experiences and they thought, oh, well, that worked. So, you know, could just be coincidental, but, you know, people still, you know, do try them. And some of them, in theory, sound correct and sound like they would help. Yeah, like they make, they make sense. They make sense. Like, But then they don't really make sense. Really, they're not super beneficial. Like... The first one that we, you know, have on our list is eggshells egg in the garden. I see a lot of people do this. A lot of people start use them. Start all your seeds in eggshells. Yeah, people, you start your seedlings in little eggshell cups and stuff and then break it up when you put it in the soil. Um, eggshells actually take a long time to decompose. And, um, you know, the, the thought process there is that, you, you know, you're going to add calcium to the soil and then it'll fertilize the plants. And a lot calcium, of people... Calcium, iron, yeah, a lot of different will, other things will even grind up the eggshells in their blender and like add them into their garden stuff. But honestly, they're not really doing that much because um, it takes so long for that calcium to actually be available, you know, bioavailable in the dirt to the, you know, the plants. And if you're using the rough, you know, edges of the eggshell, especially if you plant a seedling in an eggshell and then crunch it up and bury it, those sharp edges, edges can actually harm the delicate roots. And of your you, plants. And if you crunch it up, you can disturb the roots. Yeah, really so bad. it's just not a great way. And they're also super small, so there's not a lot of room for the roots, you know, to even develop. Uh, yeah, and there's not a lot of room for them to push out through. I yeah, mean, so... Roots aren't a baby chick. Yeah, so it's it's just one of those things where it sounds really good in theory, but you're better off just tossing them in your, um, in your compost bin Composted. and allowing them to break down naturally over time. And then, you know use that compost on your garden when it's nice and broken down. Yeah, so. compost it. And that that's going to introduce the calcium back into the plants in a way that they can actually absorb it. Mm-hmm. Um, they can actually use that calcium as soon as the compost ha- um, process has been fulfilled. That calcium is still going to be inside of it, and it's going to be ready for the plants to absorb, um, yeah. as but well as potassium. crunching up eggshells and just sprinkling it in your garden. It doesn't do that. It's not really going to do anything, unfortunately. Well, it will eventually. When it goes through the composting process, eventually it would. Maybe but someday. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someday it would. And the same thing goes for, like, banana peels. Now, I did this myself. I added banana peels in the, um, in the you know, the planting hole when I was, you know, planting. The water? You didn't make banana tea? I didn't do the banana tea, but I did oh. throw some... Um, banana peels in the hole when I was transplanting my tomatoes last year. And I had great tomato plants last year, but I can't say that that's because I put banana peels in there. And I mean, it's the same thing, you know, you think, oh, potassium, you know, from the banana peels, but again, it needs to compost and break down. It's not really going to do much by putting it in the hole. I mean, 
if you want to try it and you find that your tomato plants do better every yeah. year when you do that, you can try it. You know, it's not it's not like the eggshells. Like, it's not going to damage roots or anything. But don't go out and buy bananas specifically to right. <laughs> right. stick in a there, tomato you're right. Like Pants. you're just better off either composting it or, you know, again, if you just have some leftover and you feel like tossing them in there, that's totally fine. It's the fine. same thing. It's the potassium's not available until after the composting process has, has yeah, fulfilled. Yeah, after it decomposes. It has, so, it has to be all the way through that for it to be usable. Yeah. And the banana, I don't know if, if you've seen the banana tea where you soak the banana peels in the hot water for like i don't know some people do it for like a, a week or two or something um some people do Ooh. it overnight and and then water the plants with that water and the thought process is that you're gonna you know draw some of that potassium out and then you know water it and fertilize the plants with that but again it's the same thing it doesn't really work that way and i've actually seen a lot of people do that and leave it to where the um banana actually starts to ferment and then the jar ends up exploding so maybe don't try that <laughs> Don't so, close it. But you're supposed to. You you put the lid on the jar. That's what people do. But you're basically making prison wine for prison. plants. <laughs> I'm not making prison wine for plants. Uh, Plant you, prison you'd be wine. better off just you'd be better off not making prison wine. Putting putting a couple handfuls of well decomposed compost in the the planting hole or you know top dressing around um, the base of your plants. I mean, or even like doing the no dig where you're literally planting straight yeah. into compost. Yeah. So that's going to do more as far as, you know, giving your, your plants some, you know, nutrients. <laughs> Which yeah. that can also bring us to one of the other myths. Compost is going to burn plants. Okay. Yeah. This is one I believed like my entire life and um, only, you know, just this past couple of years actually um, learned differently. I thought that compost... Um, you had to use it very sparingly in the garden and really work it into the soil and till it in um, and leave it for like a couple weeks before you could plant in it because it was going to burn your plants. And that's not actually true. If no. it's well decomposed compost, it's... it's if it's compost. <laughs> if it's composted. It's not... Ma organic material. It's, it's not just straight up manure. Right. And so I think maybe that's where I got, you know, that, that thought process from was that... Um, Growing up, my you know my parents would use composted manure. Yeah. But they st they still but thought it's still that composted. it was going. I know, but so they still thought it was going to burn the plants, and so I don't know why that was a thought process. I don't know, but we weren't taking fresh manure and putting it straight on the garden, and, and like we, our chickens you know will roam in the garden and poop you know you know in places and. So that's technically fresh manure, but, but it's not fine. enough to where it's going to bother the, yeah. you know, the, the plants or anything. And, but we're not going to take their, you know, fresh poop from their coop, you know, scoop it out of there and add it on our garden. We are, we put it in the comp, no, we put it in the compost. But we do bin. put it in the compost, yeah. Yeah, and we let it break down. We let down. it compost. So, yeah, so, but, you know, if it's well decomposed organic material, um, you know, good compost, it's not going to burn the plants. Yeah, because it's organic material. That's why no and dig, no dig gardening blew my mind because I was like, there's no way you can plant straight yeah. into, uh, you know, all compost. There's no way it's not going to work, but, but it does. Plants need organic material. Yes, they, they need organic. They have to have mechanic material. Organic matter, well decomposed organic matter. Yeah. In order to grow healthily and to see the microbes in the soil and, and the worms. Yeah. You can't you can't have worms. Yeah, you have to have organic material to have worms. Yeah. Which that's another myth that 
just, just dumping adding worms. worms into like your containers or yeah. your raised beds is going to there's, increase the soil health. There's a, a myth that you can go get like the night crawlers that you um, that you do for fishing and just dump it in your garden bed. Like in your raised bed or something? It's specifically in a raised bed and it's it, it's specifically in a closed bottom raised bed. Like there's no connection it's between... It's not touching the ground yeah. with the dirt. So the... It's not actually connecting with the dirt that's underneath it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, self-contained, which is the most of the time the problem if you're not seeing really good results or any results, honestly, from a raised bed. It could be the soil. Yeah, the soil health. And so that's why you need to mix in compost. If you use, like, there's specific raised bed soil that you can use, not necessarily yeah. just potting mix because it's too light and fluffy and you want to use something that has a little more weight to it. And then adding com- the compost in and mixing it in with that. Regularly. Um, yes, adding and organic like every, material. Yeah, regularly. you would do it, every, like, every year. You'd, you know, yeah. freshen it up. But um, so increasing your soil health in that way rather than thinking, oh, well, worms are good for the soil. I'll just dump some worms in there. Now, we do, like, with the kids are playing outside and they find worms, they do go throw them in our raised beds, um, which is fine. But we have a lot of organic material mixed in yeah. and um, and compost added so that there is something in there for the worms to eat. And That's the problem. If yeah. the worm, if you throw a bunch of worms into your raised bed and there's not a lot of organic material for them to actually eat and... You've got to feed the worms. It'll just, they'll just die off. Yeah, Um, they have to, they have to. The sad thing is eventually you'd get to a point where you could just add worms and it'd be okay. But it'd be like the first batch of worms dies, (laughs) decomposes, then the next batch of worms dies, decomposes, and the next batch of worms dies. Maybe just add some compost. Compost is way better and cheaper. Then if you want to throw worms in there, you can, you know, just, you got to have that organic material mixed. You have to be able to feed the worms for them to survive in that raised bed. Yeah. um, Specifically if the raised bed is not connected to the dirt underneath. Or you can put earthworm castings in there. You could do that too. I, you know, I found a big bag of that at Costco for $10. You know, you can take that and that can be used as fertilizer as well. You can sprinkle that around your plants or in the planting hole or, you know, mix it in, you know, in your raised bed or in your, you know, pots. And that will work just as well. And another thing you should just straight up compost is tea. Oh, like um, tea bags? There's a belief that you can break open the tea bags, sprinkle the leaves, um, the, all of the tea leaves that you've just used on your garden bed, and it's going to... It's the to, same thing with coffee grounds. It's the same thing. You yeah. have It has to decompose, it has to turn into compost before anything is usable, but mm-hmm. also just dumping tea water, like... You make a big batch of, of tea or you, you make a cup of tea and you forget it and you're not just like, I don't know what to do with it. And you just dump it on your garden or you even make specific tea water. Like there are people that will brew tea just, brew tea just to, to do that. Um, that can honestly hurt your plants. Uh, it can introduce aluminum and fluorine into the plant and can actually inhibit it from growing. And so that's another thing that... You know, these are all kind of connected where just put it in the compost. Just compost it. Just it, compost it. The and belief is that it's going to immediately add the nitrogen that's inside the tea, the tea leaves. Or the coffee grounds. Or the coffee grounds um, into the plant. And the unfortunate yeah. thing is that nitrogen is not going to be available until after it the decomposes. full decom... Yeah. Um, and that's 
another one like I, I used to sprinkle coffee grounds you know around my tomato plants or you know just throw them out in the garden but they, that's not actually that helpful they do need to break down in the compost first. yeah so compost the tea don't and don't bruise tea, don't brew tea specifically to water now your if it's compost tea that's completely di- different or like a lot of people like, like to take if they grow comfrey to make comfrey tea like fertilizer tea you can do that that's but but that's not tea bags no it's not actual, you're not going like, to get Lipton tea, tea and right. dumping it it's, in your that's it's different yeah and compost tea you know that's actually a, like a again yeah a good, that's also different yeah good process to use but tea just straight up tea mm-hmm. don't put straight up or coffee grounds neither of those are actually going to help you um and they're all honestly not going to help you this season they're not going to help you mm-hmm. probably they'll probably help you next season yeah <laughs> if that um it's just, it just doesn't work. Um, the other thing is that to add acidity to your soil, the belief that adding pine needles uh, to the top of your soil, another situation... To, to mulch with pine needles? Mulch with pine needles, yeah. Um, another situation where the acidity from the pine needle, so the pine needle, while it is still on the pine tree, has a small amount of acidity of that it could add um, naturally, mm-hmm. but it's the tree that's going to add it, not the pine needles. The pine needles, as soon as they fall off, they start losing their acidity, and they, they're they still good mulch. I yeah. mean, they're yeah, still I good or, and that's organic not, material. It's not super common here, um, like we're in the Midwest, yeah, we don't but have I know down like in Georgia, where I'm from, like that, there's, everybody mulches with, you know, pine needles and so stuff, that's so. fine you can mulch with pine needles but yeah. they're just not the the myth that you're they, going to get more acidity into in your, soil. your soil um specifically for plants like uh, blueberries um, borage well and um, the um you don't have to worry about the pine needles adding too much acidity that's the other thing you know, so scraping the like. pine needles away or, or not mulching with pine needles if they're available to you if that's the cheapest option for you for mulch um, it's not going to add more acidity to your yeah, soil, so it's, it's not it, going to hurt it anything. Um, it's also not going to affect the flavor of your plant's fruit in any way, um, or vegetable. I mean, the fruiting plants, the vegetables, yeah, and fruits, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes. <laughs> Another myth that we've already talked about actually is. Um, Basil and tomato companion planting is going to make your yeah. tomatoes taste like well, basil. Well, and there's a lot of different ones of, you know, planting certain herbs with yeah. um, other vegetables in the garden will actually increase the, you know, enhance the flavor. And that's, again, one that's kind of, you know, just kind of like wives' tales kind of thing, you know, like... The funny thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if it came about because you do get an enhanced flavor from immediately picking your vegetables in your garden. It does Maybe. it does taste better. Like Right, yeah, the fresh, fresh you know, vegetables straight from your garden yeah. do always taste better, better than like store bought, but um and fresh herbs as well. And a, lo- a lot of times, you know, like especially like the basil and tomatoes, you know, they are so good in cooking that yeah. um you know you it would it the, the connection there makes it, it, makes sense you know that but it's not true but it's not actually true it's not going taste basil better. is a great companion plant for tomatoes because the smell will ward off you know some harmful pests yeah. 
but it's not actually going to make your tomatoes taste better. Like, still plant them together, but don't count on your tomatoes tasting better just because you put basil. Also, adding sugar to your tomatoes soil does not... I did not... That is an actual thing. That's a real myth. Adding sugar to the soil that you plant your tomatoes in Hmm. is supposed to make your tomatoes sweeter. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think that would work. (laughs) I... It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, the sugar that you're using, it could it's just not going to be absorbed yeah, and that, introduced that, that into make, the it doesn't make sense. So like the, the, it's the not tomato. Gonna, the roots are not going to it's gonna take suck all, up of the all of the sugar and yeah. bring it up and feed, put it in the fruit. Like it, yeah. that's not gonna make it doesn't make work. Sense. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Um, You'd be better off just finding a, a sweeter tomato variety. Yeah, that's and honestly, that's the best option. Find a different variety that you actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, that might mean that you do one season of just variety testing. You just try out a different, a large batch of different varieties like we're doing this year and yeah, find your favorite. Like 15 yeah. different varieties that we're growing, 15 or 16 that we're growing this year. And um, I mean, and some are better for cooking, yeah. some are better for eating fresh, some are better for salsa, you know, and I mean, like we, the yellow pear tomatoes that we're growing are supposed to be really sweet. Yeah. So, and you said you hadn't had sweet tomatoes before yeah. because you've always just had basic whatever was from the grocery store. So. Isn't that beefsteak? I think, yeah, you've had some beefsteak tomatoes. I've had beefsteak. Yeah. What was the green ones we did last year? The all welcome. I did. Yeah. I like those. Those were good. Those, those were really good. good. But, um. Yeah, so we have a bunch of different ones we're going to try out. So just because you don't like a certain variety doesn't mean that you don't like that fruit or vegetable. Unless it, you're my mom. She doesn't like tomatoes. True. Any of them. <laughs> but um, it just means you might need to try a different variety and yeah. see if there's something that you like better. Test it out. Same with peppers. Um, mm-hmm. Again, there's there's so many varieties of peppers. There's so many varieties of corn. Even. Yeah, um, and beans and peas, you know, yeah. all, all the things. And some are sweeter, some are more savory, some are, you know. And if you buy it from the store, there's a chance that if you grow it in your own garden, you're actually going to like it versus buying it from the store because of how long oh, it's like, taken for the store to get it to the store. It just tastes better when it comes from your garden. Kinda it like, just tastes more, yeah, what did you, fresher. What did you have that you liked better from our garden? There's something you didn't like. Arugula? Yeah, there was yeah. the arugula. I thought there was something else, I don't too. love arugula, but I enjoyed the arugula a lot more from that our garden um, that was picked that day versus the arugula that comes in the spring mix bag. Oh, there was some. I swear there was something else that we grew that you didn't like, but radishes? 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 I like a cooked radish. Like that Mexican soup but that yeah. one Mexican place we get it, too. I swear there was, like, one other thing that you you didn't like. Maybe we're... we're we're trying to, you know, Cody, Cody doesn't I'm like trying. a lot of veg. You know, like, he, he's, he's expanded his palate a lot. Do we talk about rose? No. Okay. But if you have a picky eater, growing your own food. Really helps. Really helps. Really helps. Our, our, our Cody was pretty picky with vegetables when we met. Captain was kind of picky. Yeah, our son Captain was very picky with vegetables for a while, but when we started growing our own... Now he goes out and eats them off the plant. Oh, gosh. They <laughs> they walk outside, they pick it, and they eat it off the plant. Him and Promise. Yeah. Even when we don't want them to. Even when, when we ask them not to. When it's not ready. So. Um, 
planting in rows is best. This is not necessarily a myth um, per yeah, se. Yeah, it's, it's not a myth. It's just more of like, I mean, planting in rows is fine, but yeah. you can maximize your space and increase your biodiversity and um, just get more out of your garden if you interplant and plant intensively in your garden, meaning you, you know, plant things, you know, based on the height that they grow yep. and, you know, what's going to, you know, not overshadow the next thing or if something grows faster or slower. So, like, you can, you know, we've got radishes interplanted with our tomatoes. They are going, the radishes will be done, you know, growing in, like, 30 days, 35 yeah. days, and the tomatoes are taking a lot longer to grow taller, and the radishes don't actually mind if they get a little shade from the tomato plants. Mm -hmm. Same with, like, lettuce or spinach or the arugula um, or even, like, the onions. They are, oh, and collards we have yeah. planted in between the rows of tomatoes. They are going to add a little shade to um, the, the the ground, They're going to, which will help keep... Um, add a little moisture for the tomato plants mm -hmm. and shade and cool the ground a little bit. Um, but there's not a lot of root competition. Yeah. There's so like the tomatoes are ha have a little bit deeper root system. Yeah. The um, radishes are right up at the top of the soil. So, and you know, those will be harvested and out of there in a month. Soon. Yeah. yeah so way before not gonna... the tomatoes are ever going to fruit. Right. So they're not going to be a problem for the tomato plants. And um, you could even plant like over and over again right so yeah you can re-sow or succession succession so um which is something we're really trying this year because yeah. i mean a nice pretty garden in just straight clean rows looks really nice and aesthetically pleasing but having it full and um really just adding in little bits here and there you know and having flowers interplanted and stuff that's really going to maximize your space and increase that biodiversity bring in more pollinators you know help deter other pests and um you know that it, it, you'll come you know end up companion planting yeah. in a way that benefits and you more know. food yeah I mean, and you have it, more you just get higher yields you bigger, get more food. bigger yields because you have more in the ground mm -hmm. and you know some things like nasturtiums would be like a trap crop or something that you would yeah. interplant with you can interplant nasturtiums with pretty much anything in the garden and can, um yeah you can plant pretty much any most herbs as right well. and so like we are um you know, that's kind of the um, thought process with like the Three Sisters Garden that we've talked about, um, where you have the beans, corn, and squash all growing together. So with our corn that we're growing, we're actually going to grow all of our pole beans and like lima, lima beans um, with the corn so that they climb the corn and you use them, you know, to grow. Natural trellis. Yeah, a natural trellis, which, which not only benefits the beans because they need something yep. to climb, but it benefits the corn because it anchors the corn down so that it doesn't get blown over by wind or ripped up by animals as easily, which happened to us last year. Well, it um, wasn't... Did we go... It was maize, I thought. We we grew some, some sort of um, dent corn. It wasn't... Yeah, um, it was something... Yeah, and raccoons came and decimated all of our corn and ate every single cop <laughs> last year. So planting the beans with them and letting the beans climb the them. Wildlife. Yeah, we fed the wildlife. <laughs> um, that will help protect the corn. And having like nasturtiums and like squash growing, you know, beneath the corn will help shade the roots and also deter like raccoons or you know other critters um, from going in there because the squash has kind of spiny leaves and stems, mm -hmm. so they don't want to touch it. They don't want to get all up in there, and. Um, it's just overall natural a pest bit. determined. Yeah, it's a natural way to um, 
you know, for them to benefit each other where, you know, instead of trying to, you know, put out, you know, different, I don't know, raccoon deter, you know, repellents and stuff. Like, we're not going to do that, you know, because... Wolf urine? No, we're I think not, that's one of not, those. We're not doing that. That's yeah. a natural way that you can deter... Yeah, that would be, but we're not going to do that. It... But you can. But you could. And, but instead of just having a big patch of corn, we're going to have more food. Yeah. Because we are interplanting. More food because you have interplanting. And, yep. I mean, and spacing requirements, you know, for your garden. They do matter. They do matter to prevent disease, you know, from like overcrowded leaves. Or like, you know, if you have overcrowded lettuce, it'll be bitter and, potatoes you know, and tomatoes too close can can spread disease right. really easy between yeah, you're the not, two. And you, you know, don't want to have um, competition for nitrogen. Yeah, you don't want to have an issue for, with um, powdery mildew, which is some of that's inevitable. But, um, you know, you want a good airflow yeah. um, to prevent some disease and stuff. But um, pack you it can... In. <laughs> Pack, yeah, you you can push the in. limits on spacing, and that's something you kind of will you know learn over time, as you you know gain more experience and just try different things out and ex, you know experiment. Um, but you can kind of push the limit a little bit as long as you're you know maintaining um, good airflow and you're paying attention to you know to overshadowing, making sure that. You know, you're not locking out the sun for things that need full sun. Um, and you make more food. Yeah. And you, and can, you make more food. You can make more food. That <laughs> That's way. the biggest thing is that yeah. you're making, not only are you making more food, but when, when you interplant with um, flowers, you're feeding pollinators, yeah. which is great. And pollinators um, or flowers will attract uh, beneficial insects and yeah. things like that. So just plant all the things. Plant all the things. Plant all the things. Plant them close together. Plant plant more than as you much, think. As close as you can. You can plant more than you think you will need. Yeah. Because well, sometimes things, you know, some things just don't make it. My, my collards didn't transplant super well, so I lost a few of those. They kind of just shriveled up. Um, but it's okay. It's okay because in their place I put borage and yeah. um, we added radishes and put some basil. Onions. Onions, yeah, and so actually, it ended up working out it's better okay. because I've got three other yeah. <laughs> things that are planted that there instead of just a couple more collards. Molasses and dried molasses in the garden. Yeah, this one I'd never actually heard of this. I had tip. seen people. I didn't know that, like the thought process behind using it. I've seen people talk about using molasses in the garden but yeah. i didn't really know anything so about the idea it. is that the molasses is going to create a bacteria group a large grouping of bacteria that will feed the microbes in the soil mm -hmm. um and while it does do this it does it at such a such a, a quick pace it actually all of the bacteria dies off super fast really really fast so the bacteria dies off the microbes eat for a short period of time as long as those um, that bacteria is there, but mm -hmm. then as soon as that dies out, then the microbes can't eat it anymore. Yeah. So it's was... gone, which means it's an absolute waste of time. Yeah. Um, what's What would be better than this is instead of going to get molasses specifically, I don't know anybody who actually has molasses in <laughs> their home. I don't. 
You I don't. Did, I did growing up. We always did. We didn't ever have molasses. Okay. But so, so, southern raised versus <laughs> mid Midwest raised. Southern raised. <laughs> molasses. If your tongue. <laughs> but I never had molasses growing up. You did apparently, but yes, dumping molasses that could be used in food. A, in food in a baked good in some some other way instead of short term feeding the microbes. Yeah, I would, and I just feel like that would kind of be a, a little bit of a waste. That's what it is. It's a yeah. waste. It's like it's like planting um, planting seeds inside of fresh food, like a fresh. <laughs> banana or oh 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 yeah like all those the five minute yeah crafts or hack videos they like poke the hole with their fingers and they put the seeds in there and the banana is just like just go plant it in the yeah put it in compost eat the banana compost the banana peel just plant the seeds in the dirt it didn't make any it doesn't make any sense it it would work technically yeah (laughs) but it doesn't benefit better so you're not getting anything better by specifically getting molasses in your garden yeah um it creates back a large clump of bacteria for microbes to eat for a short period of time um it doesn't really do much besides that um water droplets this one's really important this is probably the most important one yeah out of all the myths this is as far as i know the most um spread i just that was just debunked for me this is the most spread myth of all these myths. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Water droplets burn your plants. Yeah. So, like, there are a lot of benefits to watering in early morning or evening versus the heat of the day. I mean, yeah. one, it just sucks to get water in the middle of the day or, like, when the sun is at its highest. Yeah. It's hot. But, um... But what is actually happening is the water is evaporating at a right. faster so rate. So it's just going to evaporate off. Because and, it's hot. Um, I have noticed in my own gardening when mm-hmm. I did forget to, you know, go out and water in the early morning and I ran out there, it was already around noon and it's really hot. When I watered and did get water on the leaves and that sun was evaporating, it did cause some leaves like on, I think it was like pumpkins and stuff to wilt. Yeah. And so it, to me, I was like, oh, that wasn't. You know, but that wasn't good for those. The, but the, yeah, that's it's, it's not actually burning no. the leaves. It's not scorching them. The water droplets are supposedly magnifying the rays from right. the sun. Right. It's the same. I mean, and again, that's a thought process that makes sense. Like, yeah. you get worse sunburn when you're in the pool. Yeah. You know, it um, makes it it makes sense. But the re- the reality is that the water droplets are so small. That they actually evaporate faster. Yeah, and so that then then that's that kind of counterintuitive do. because then you're you know wasting a lot of the water that you just tried to yeah. you know, use for your plants. So you know, watering early morning, watering in the evening is just better. Watering in the evening isn't as great because it can introduce bacteria and help grow fungus and bacteria Why? overnight. Okay. Because there's no sun. Water, it, the the best the, in the best time to water is during the morning. Yeah, that that, but that gets me outside earlier. The best in the day. time, the true honest plate, best time to water is when you see your plants need water. You need to water them. It doesn't matter if it's right. Two so at, if it's in the afternoon, right, if, you're if it's something nine is in the morning, 
needs it, water. If it needs water, water, it's wilting, water it. It's not going to hurt it. Water towards the, the base, towards the root. Yes. Um, you don't want to water the, the top of the plant because it just doesn't introduce as much water into the root system. Well, not only that, it just increases chances for disease and powdery mildew, funguses and stuff. And it when takes you, longer for it to absorb the water. The water droplets will evaporate the, before the it can absorb. The roots are absorbing the water, not the leaves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if water you want to prevent powdery mildew, then water at the base because a lot of plants in the garden, you know, can are susceptible to powdery mildew. Yeah. And I had a big problem with that last year because um, I did not always water at the, you know, soil level. Um, but again, that's something that just kind of happens anyway. Like, you know, we it, it was pretty humid. There was lots of rain, so the leaves stayed wet. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of something you have to deal with. But... Yeah. but Watering at the base of the plant is the best way to water. The best time to water is when you notice your plant needs water. Yes, and you it also is a myth that you have to water your garden every single day. Yeah. You don't have to water every single day. If you want to water lightly daily, then you can. And that's something that I do with some of my plants. But um, And there are some things that need more water than others. Right. So giving a good deep watering, you know, maybe some things only need that maybe once a week twice a week, you know, and letting the rain, you know, take care of, you know, yeah. a lot of the watering. For us right now, we have like two weeks straight of rain almost every single day. And yeah. which is kind of nice because we don't have to go out and water anything. And our garden is just, you know, exploding because of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's looking really good out there. But, um, you know, there are certain things that you do want to water more than others. And, you know, so pay attention to what varieties you have, what kind of, you know, things you're growing and what those, you know, the watering requirements are for them. So like watermelons need a lot of water, carrots need a lot of water, um, you know. Any... Watermelons need a lot of water. <laughs> we were, I was giving them a hard time about that. I said watermelons need a lot of water. And I like, said, is it because there's water in the name? The name? It's <laughs> so rude. <laughs> So rude. So rude. Do we have any other? Oh. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to talk. I don't think we need to talk about this one. Okay. This one. One last one. This is a hot button one. Get your tinfoil hats out. Cause don't, don't come at me for this one. The government's going to bust down our doors. Birds aren't real. Huh? <laughs> They're drones. No. <laughs> um, just because it's organic does not mean that pesticides aren't used. I feel like this yeah. is something a lot of people know now, this has been debunked, but I still see so many people saying that organic is the only way to do it. Organic is the only, you know, organic is the best. I can only buy organic food because I don't want pesticides. Only buy? No, yeah. but only so, grow. Yes. You, right, you can, in your own garden, you grow can garden as organically garden. as possible. We yeah. do here. We don't use any pesticides on Zero. our, you know, on our garden, any herbicides, fungicides, any of that. But in conventional, you know, or factory farming, um, yeah, and in organic factory farming, they both use pesticides. And pesticides can travel pretty easy. Right. Um, so overspray and, and, happens a lot. Right, and there are pesticides in, you know, our water systems and stuff. And so it's and the organic farms usually if they're a factory farm like that then they're usually right next to the non-organic right so it's not something where you're going to get something that's like truly 100 percent organic no. no pesticides at all you know and i mean if you grow it yourself and you if know you, grow you didn't it yourself, put pesticides on it there you go that's the difference but yeah. if it's you know 
factory farmed, big farmed, they, I mean, there's, I think they said there was like 20 plus different um, or organic certified pesticides like copper and sulfur yeah. and stuff um, that they use in organic farming. But that doesn't mean they're not toxic. That doesn't mean they're 100% safe. It just means that they're different. Yeah. So. Um, they're and not, it's not Roundup. It's not, yeah. The biggest, it's not the biggest glyph- problem that. It's not gly- glyphosate. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is one that I see a lot of people argue about online, and and or, we're not saying organic isn't great. If you are no, growing there are a lot organic, of organic in your farming practices yeah. that are better and more beneficial than the conventional factory farming methods. Yes, absolutely. But um, one thing I I learned was um, that in organic pesticide use, they actually oftentimes use more pesticides and herbicides and fungicides at a more frequent rate than the conventional farming does. Because they have to. Right. So for the effectiveness. And so they're actually they might actually be using more of these, you know, organic Cert- pesticides. Certified. Stuff, right. Than they would if they used the conventional type. So again, that's one there's a lot that goes into that. There's yeah. a lot um you know, There's a lot on of what... nuance on organic. There is. So, but if you want to purchase only organic for your you and your family, if you want to grow only organic for you and your family, that's up to you. And if you want to, I mean, honestly, the best place that you could go is the farmer's market. Yeah, if you you're can go to the if you're looking market. to get true, fresh, organic. I mean, they they have to say that they're organic. You know, like yeah. But again, not every small farmer is going to be certified organic you know that's no but they're most likely not using you know harmful pesticides and stuff so which is the main problem yeah so it's something that um you can just use your best judgment on and not be scared of um conventionally grown foods because you know oftentimes as those are more accessible to people more affordable for people and food is food food is food food is food the any of the um, food that you purchase that has the regenerative agriculture stamp mm-hmm. um, is another way that you can just guarantee that they're not using pesticides. Right. To get the regenerative agricultural stamp, you have to use regenerative agricultural practices, which means. But inter- they have to be certified by the Rodale. I believe that it's the Rodale Institute that yeah. actually certifies, um, and that they, they might. I know they have on their website that you can go look and see what is available, whether online or in store. That to, is certified. That certified regenerative agriculture. Yeah. But, and then, oh, here's another myth that we didn't actually write down. Um, <laughs> and it's one that is no, we're gonna get in trouble. so prevalent no. that, um, I mean. I have a feeling this is going to be a bad one. <laughs> what is it? You, as a home gardener, cannot possibly buy GMO seeds. That's that's not the myth. The myth is that you're going to buy GMO seeds at the store or you know online and possibly use them in their gar- in your garden. Well, the FBI you, is here, so we're done. <laughs> you cannot actually, as a home gardener, no, you can't buy purchase GMO seeds. GMO seeds. And so we even say on our website always non-GMO because so many people think that if you if don't it's, if it's not organic and if it doesn't sit it isn't labeled as non-gmo that you're buying gmo it's not actually possible we the put, home gardener we put that specifically so people don't ask right. are you gmo no GMO free. You're we not, don't want to scare people off yeah. from purchasing our seeds by saying 
GMO. You you can't. You, you can't, can't buy you GMO seeds. You cannot grow GMO. You have to buy them in, in such a large quantity. Well, and you and have to you be, have to a, be a, an actual factory, yeah. like conventional farmer. So you're not going to find GMO seeds to, to garden in your own backyard. Most of the time. <laughs> All the time. I'm just kidding. If you're getting these black market GMO seeds somewhere, let I, us know because yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard of black any anywhere that you could possibly buy GMO Black market seeds. GMO seed injections. No. <laughs> I, buy, so don't I buy my worry. GMO seeds on the black market. Okay. Don't worry. On the dark You're web. not getting GMO. You're not getting GMO seeds. Seeds. And Especially hybrids, if you buy them from hybrid, us. <laughs> A hybrid variety is not a GMO. No. So and it's not, not everything modified. needs to be it's la naturally labeled as yeah. GMO because there's only certain GMO crops here in the US that we actually grow and use. So not every like single thing. So you see like, like milk listed as non GMO or you see salt listed has our salt that we bought is listed as non GMO. How would salt be a GMO? Like <laughs> I think it's also listed as gluten-free, so I'm pretty sure they're just open, do whatever you want at this organic point. Salt, organic non -GMO salt, non-GMO, gluten-free salt. <laughs> so, there you go. You gotta love it, though. Yeah, so I think that's all we had. That's a long-ass list. If you have any other myths that you know of or that you're questioning. Leave it in a comment. Yeah, let, let us know. We can discuss it in the comments. You but. can comment. You can message us. You can. We will respond. DM. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Thank any of those myths. Thank you for watching and listening to us ramble. You know. It's important things, okay? It, it is important. We're saving you time, money. Energy research. Research. Doing the research for you. I mean, think of all of the We we don't we don't, you know, know it all. We're we're learning too. But we like to share yeah. our knowledge. And if you watch, if you, you know, engage with our page, thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. For sure. So leave it as a comment if you got a myth, and we would love to hear some more myths. We might even talk about them in the next episode. Maybe. Right at the beginning. You have to do the sign off. Oh, okay. I get it wrong every time. Thank you so much for watching or listening. This has been the Grass Sucks Grow Food Podcast, and this is just another reason that grass sucks and you should grow food.